Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and we're so glad you're here. This is a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Be sure and like, share, and subscribe to any of the social media content platforms that you're using. And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Hey everybody, this is gonna be a different podcast than normal. I'm gonna be doing a teaching on one of my favorite parables of Jesus, the Good Samaritan. And I hope you enjoy this. This is actually a part of a series I did, a four-part series called Irreligious Parables of Jesus. And you can go to spiritualityadventures.com and download that four-part series with a study guide, questions, that kind of thing for small groups, if you'd like, or for personal study. I also like to invite you to a new Bible series that I'm going to be doing in December called Matthew's Christmas. It will be a four-part series. It'll be the Christmas story from Matthew's gospel. And I look forward to sharing this. We're going to actually do it live in North Kansas City at the Cable Building. It'll be on the Wednesday night, December 1st, 8th, 15th, and 22nd. That's December 1st, 8th, 15th, and 22nd at 630. And you can join us. We're going to do some Christmas music. I'll do a message and we will light the Advent candle. And so I hope to see you there. Come on out and join us and hope you enjoy this teaching on the Good Samaritan. Hello everyone. This is a new Bible teaching series that I'm going to be doing, and it's a series called Irreligious Parables of Jesus. It's so fascinating that as I think about um, the audience that I've been hanging out with over the last couple of years, it's an audience that's really spiritual, but not religious. And I would say even in my previous church life, we had a lot of people that would fit into that crowd. But now in the recovery world, I definitely have a lot of people that are hanging out with that group. And then uh, also just in in a lot of the podcast interviews I've been doing, I've had a lot of people who would fit into that spiritual but not religious kind of crowd. And that can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. But I want to suggest to you that Jesus was spiritual and not very religious. In fact, um, we're going to be exploring Jesus along these lines, and we're going to be looking at some of his parables and teachings that are very irreligious. And then we're going to be looking at some of his actions that are certainly irreligious and at even times irreverent, at least as it related to the religious crowd. They didn't like it. And some of the things that Jesus did was very radical as well. But I want to start with a parable, one of my favorites, called the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we could actually call this a parable of radical inclusion, or if you like, a parable that deals with a gospel for misfits, a gospel for misfits. I love these concepts of radical inclusion or a gospel for misfits. One of my favorite playwrights is a guy named Tennessee Williams. And uh, for the younger audience, I know that a lot of you won't have heard of Tennessee Williams. He was one of the most famous playwrights in American history. Uh, probably two of his most popular plays were A Streetcar Named Desire and A Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. 
many of his plays were turned into movies, but these movies are now like decades old. And so I really am hoping that there'll be a uh, movie director, producer that catches on to Tennessee Williams and kind of redoes his movies for a younger audience. But the thing about Tennessee Williams is that he had a way of depicting his characters. He was known for his characters and he he depicted famously tragic characters who were flawed in every sort of way, but they had a beauty to their character that was deeply spiritual and incredibly human and dignified in a way that stood out even amidst their tragic flaws. And so he had a way of depicting people full of human dignity, but tragically flawed at the same time. And I think about Luke's gospel, and it's kind of a gospel like that. It's a gospel for misfits. If you think about the Good Samaritan, this is in Luke chapter 10. But if you back up, um, when Luke shows Jesus calling his disciples, the disciples were kind of a group of misfits. And then if you look at who Jesus hung out with in Luke's gospel, you know, there was a purity culture in Jesus's day. And a lot of the Jewish people viewed the world through things that were clean and unclean and people that were clean and unclean. So foods and other items could be contagious because they weren't pure, they were unclean. You could have unclean foods like shellfish and pigs and you know pork roast and all that kind of stuff. Or you could have items that were unclean, but then also people could be unclean as well. So for example, if somebody had a disease, they were considered unclean. If somebody had a disability, they were considered unclean. And many times they were ostracized and marginalized and put off into these groups. And so Jesus would hang out with people. In fact, in Luke chapter seven, verse 34, Jesus was called a friend of sinners. The crazy thing about that was that that was not a compliment. Sometimes people use that today as a compliment, but in Jesus' day, it meant that Jesus was unclean. So how could he be a religious leader, a religious teacher, and be hanging out with the wrong kind of people, get contaminated by the wrong kind of people, and then call himself a holy teacher or a man of God or a prophet or, or you know, whatever. And so Jesus, when he was called friend of sinners, that was a derogatory term and it meant that Jesus was unclean and it meant that he could not be a good religious teacher or a prophet of God or a good teacher of God or even a good rabbi for that matter. And so, so this is kind of interesting. Luke's gospel always also had Jesus saying, hey, if you're gonna have a banquet feast, invite the people who are on the outskirts who can't repay you. If you're gonna have a big banquet, then go out to the highways and the byways and the hedge and bring people in who you can't uh, get a repayment from, right? And so this was a cool thing. And then in Luke 15, you had the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost son. The, one of my other favorite parables, the parable of the prodigal son. All of this is in Luke's gospel. So this brings us to Luke chapter 10, the parable of Good Samaritan. and. It starts out, a Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. 
Okay, so the big thing you need to know here is that the guy's Jewish and that some robbers attacked him and stripped him of his clothes, left him half dead. So he was probably unconscious on the side of the road, stripped naked or at least down to his undergarments. All right. And he's Jewish. So, you know, all of that. All right. The next scene is that a priest comes along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. And then the same thing, a temple assistant or what you might call a Levite walked over and looked at him lying there and he passed by on the other side as well. And you might go, well, why would a priest do that? Wouldn't he care for a guy? Wouldn't he help the guy out? Well, here's here's some of the dynamics. The priest had to be clean. He couldn't be unclean. In fact, if a priest touched a dead person, let's say this guy's dead. If a priest touched him, then he had to go like into a quarantine. All right. For like a week. And he had to go through ritual cleansing and he couldn't do his ministries at the temple and all of that kind of stuff. And so the temple in Jerusalem, a lot of priests lived in Jericho. So it was very common for priests priest to be on the road passing from Jerusalem to Jericho. They were probably riding uh, on a donkey. So they had they were wealthy. Priests were wealthy in those days. They were kind of the upper elite. And so this priest had a decision to make. What if this guy is not a Jewish guy? See, in the Jewish culture, who's your neighbor is a big deal. And so like if if this guy's not Jewish, then it might not even be in his responsibility to take care of the guy. And then if he touches the guy and he's unclean, he's not Jewish, he's dead or whatever, then he would have to step completely outside of his uh, job and go through ceremonial cleansing and quarantine and all that kind of stuff. And so how would the guy know what he is? He wouldn't have known that he was Jewish. How do you know a guy's Jewish? How do you know a guy is your neighbor? Well, you would know because of the way he dressed. You would know because of the language he spoke and you would know because of his accent. This guy's been stripped. He can't talk and he can't speak. So you don't know what he is. You don't know if he's Jewish or not. You don't know if he's your neighbor or not. You don't know if the law requires you to help him or not. And if he's dead or if he's unclean, then you would have to go through ceremonial ritual cleansing and quarantine if you touched him or helped him. So this is the dilemma that the priest was in. So the priest passed on by, he doesn't take the risk to help the guy out. The Levite would have been a priest's assistant. He comes by and he passes for the same reason. And so both the priest and the Levite pass. These are the religious men of their day. So that brings us to then the next scene. After the priest and the Levite pass by, then a Samaritan comes by. And here's what it says. Then a despised Samaritan comes along. Why is the Samaritan despised? We don't understand this. But in Jesus's day, this, the, the Samaritans were despised because they were kind of like half breeds. If you go way back to uh, the divided kingdom and the monarchy and all that stuff, you know, you think about Saul, David and Solomon and then his, and then and then Saul's I mean, David's descendants, Solomon's descendants and how the kingdom divided. There's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Well, the northern kingdom was carried off into captivity by the Assyrians. And then those northern Jews intermarried with 
the Assyrians, and this caused them to be like half-breeds, unclean kind of people. And then when they came back to Jerusalem, the southern kingdom was taken off into captivity in like 587 by the Babylonians, but they didn't intermarry as much. And that was the group that came back to Jerusalem after the Persian rule in about 420 and started rebuilding the temple. Well, the northern Jews that had that were half-breeds that had intermarried with the Assyrians and all that kind of stuff, they were kind of corrupt. They came down to offer to help rebuild the temple. And the southern Jews rejected them because they were unclean. And so then the northern Jews even built their own temple later on because they couldn't worship at the Jerusalem temple. And so they were ostracized from a religious angle, from an intermarrying angle, from a half-breed angle. They had different accents. Um, they were considered enemies of the southern Jews by this point. So they were despised for that reason and that reason alone. You wouldn't be obligated to help a Samaritan. They wouldn't even be considered your neighbor. They were the other. They were the enemy. They were the outsider. They were the people that you didn't even have to help. All right. So think about if you were, um, you know, post 9-11 and you got an American guy on the side of the road and all of a sudden a Muslim guy comes along to help the American on the side of the road right after 9-11. You know, that's the kind of dynamic that we're dealing with. It's like the hero of the story should have been the priest of the Levite, but no, they pass on by. And then a despised Samaritan comes by and after 9-11, it'd be like an American making a Muslim the hero of the story in this story, Jesus makes the Samaritan, the despised Samaritan, the hero of the story. So this, this despised Samaritan comes along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, this is crazy because basically what this is saying is that the Samaritan took every one of his resources and helped this guy out. He took his oil, he took his wine, he used his donkey, and he rode him into probably Jericho, and you got to realize if a Samaritan went into a Jewish village like Samaritan, he could be killed just for going into a Jewish village by being a Samaritan. He's carrying a naked man on his donkey. Nobody knows that the naked man's Jewish because he's been stripped of his clothing and that's his identifier and he can't speak. That's his accent and his language and that's his identifier. So this Samaritan walking into a Jewish village and taking this guy to an inn and saying, hey, I'm helping this guy out and he's Jewish and I'm helping him out. I'm Samaritan, but he's Jewish. They could have told he was Samaritan, but they could have rejected the whole scene and literally lynched and killed the Samaritan, put him to death. So the Samaritan risks his own life. He uses every resource he has to mend the guy, bandage the guy, puts him on his donkey. And then in, in Jesus' day, if a guy was staying in an inn and he couldn't pay his bill, they could put him in debtor's prison. So the Samaritan takes his money and pays the bill for several weeks so that this guy wouldn't be put into debtor's prison. He basically uses every resource he has to care for a man who's not even a Samaritan, who's a Jewish person. And this is a despised Samaritan taking care of a Jewish man. And, 
extravagantly using every one of his resources to care for somebody he had no legitimate responsibility to care for, and he risked his own life to do it, and he used all of his resources to do it. And so Jesus then says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? And it's so funny because the guys that are listening to this story, they don't even say, oh, the Samaritan. They didn't wanna say Samaritan, right? They said, the one who showed him mercy. So they wouldn't even say the Samaritan's the hero. The Samaritans showed true love and kindness. No, they said, well, the one, well, yeah, you know, it wasn't the Levite, it wasn't the priest. And they didn't wanna say Samaritan because they don't like the Samaritans. So yeah, the one who showed him mercy was the real neighbor. And then Jesus looks and says, well, then you go and do the same. So think about this, this is radical inclusion. I don't care how you view another person that's other than you, that's outside of your group or your context or anything like that, if you think about that. Um, what Jesus is teaching is that you have a responsibility to show love, to love your neighbor, and then you like go, well, who's your neighbor? Well, Jesus is saying it's anybody. And it's even people that you disagree with theologically, people that you disagree with politically. It's people that you disagree with in terms of lifestyle. It's the marginalized, it's the outcasts, it's the people that you don't hang out with. It's the people that you might not even like. It's people that you might even consider your enemy. Like Jesus is making a point and saying, all those people that are outsiders to you and that you don't even like and that you don't even wanna hang out with, those are actually the people that Jesus would say, you need to radically include, you need to reach out, you need to love, you need to embrace, you need to serve, you need to show kindness to. This is the kind of radical inclusion that Jesus is calling upon. This is why this is an irreligious parable, because this, this drove the religious people nuts. The, relig the most religious people were the priests and the Levites, and, and those kind of, and those people wouldn't have liked this story. They would have been actually upset at this story. I remember right after 9-11, I was with Steve Shogren and um, he was doing a little conference at the church. I mean, this was just a few weeks after 9-11 and everybody was like viewing the Muslims as our enemies. And I remember Steve had a few hours to, to rest. I said, what do you wanna do? And he says, you know what I'd really like to do? I'd like to really go down to the closest mosque and just offer to clean their facilities and tell them that we love them. And I said, let's do it. And so I remember we we found the closest mosque. We went in and they were having a big conference. And and I think they thought we were going to come to bomb the place, you know, because they were in fear and they they were the despised enemies and, and all that kind of stuff. And I remember Steve and I trying to talk them into letting us serve them and they wouldn't let us. They said, if you come in as our guests, we have to serve you. So they were gracious. They stopped their meeting. They served us cookies and, you know, it's just like toured us of the building. And but toward the end of it, they came out and they said they thanked us for coming and showing kindness and and, the, and one guy started to cry like the big, the big bouncer guy kind of started crying he said you know the quran says that christians have a tender place in their heart and you have deeply touched my heart today i've seen that today i want to thank you for coming and and i think that's just a beautiful example of how we have to reach across the aisles even when we're uncomfortable and learn to build bridges instead of building walls and learn to break down the barriers that we have between people that are different from us. Every one of us can reach out. Every one of us can become a friend. Every one of us can begin to open our eyes and begin to think of creative ways to serve and love those people 
who are different, who are other, who are marginalized, who are outside, people that we would prefer to exclude. But Jesus says, no, we need to love. We need to embrace. We need to heal. Remember, Jesus brought cleansing, not by avoiding contagion, by, by touching. Remember, Jesus touched the sick. He healed the sick. He hung out with sinners. He forgave people. He ate with people. He got up close and personable. Why? Because he knew that through love, through gracious, grace-based community, that people could be included and healed and made whole. And that's how all of us truly are made whole. And so let's be that kind of people. Let's be the, those kinds of people that Jesus have called us to be. Uh, people who aren't necessarily religious, but are full, full of love and very spiritual. So God bless you. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com and make a one-time donation, or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.